Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. I'll apologize straight away for my voice. I've got a... I've got a Sore throat and a cough and all that. Have you? I've had it for yeah. weeks, to be honest. Pro- should probably go and do good, something. Good about that it. I'm standing right next to you and no, talking in the same microphone. It's only a little. It's only a little bit contagious, I said. Nothing, um, nothing, nothing <laughs> tune on the last <laughs> weekend. Oh yeah, give lots to shout about. Graham Anderson, that was there. Glad to have you back on Graham. Been a while, I think. Cheers. You've been in. Were you at the game? The weekend? I was. I was. I made my debut in the East Stand. So as a fan rather than as, work? As a fan, I took the family. Do you get up and stand and shout like a fan and uh, swear at them? I bet what? you've been dying to do that over the years <laughs> and you couldn't do it. No, the strange, the strange thing is it's really weird after you've spent all those years in the press box. And and until I, I left the Echo, I'd never been anywhere but the press box at the Stadium of Light. At Roker Park, I'd been as a fan and, you know, in all the different ends. But it's been a really strange experience. I mean, And since I've left the Echo, I've gone back many times and been in the press box. Um, but occasionally I'll go... Just sort of to enjoy the game, as they say, and uh, I've never been in the East Stand, so like uh, it was just a really straight, completely strange for me to see it from the opposite end, which you'd normally see it in a different vantage. And also, um, there's a there's a phrase you've probably heard: no fans in the press box, which is that you're working journalists there, you've got to be professional, you don't jump up and shout, shout or sing or anything that sort of stuff. Um, so you're almost used to working in that environment where you're at the match, but you're almost like removed from the match because it's a professional working environment. And it's a bit weird to have people effing and blinding in your ear for 90 minutes. You know, you know you've made it as a proper fan when a steward comes over and has a word with you and tells you to pipe down. <laughs> that never happened to me. Well, well, you're not, uh, well, not a real fan then, Gareth. Yeah, what's yeah. changed? What's changed from the terraces from when I, I, I remember at Roker Park is is that basically effing and blinding was just the order of the day at Roker Park. You know what I mean? That was like that was normal conversation and it didn't strike you as any different. But I took me... Um, my, my daughter there, my uh, six-year-old daughter there, and our lass, and it was a bit, bit odd because I'm used to being in a very all-male environment, and that was uh, that was normal. But there's one guy behind me who's occasionally effing and blinding, and uh, it was almost like a theatre experience of people like going. He doesn't have to swear. It's pens around. That so might depend what end of the ground yeah. you're Yes, uh, the, yeah, as I say, the east stand, the top of the east stand, a bit more genteel yeah. compared to some parts of the ground. That's, that's, where, I, that's where I am, right? I sit in the badge in the east stand, you see. So, so that's what I noticed. That's what I noticed. Is there something about a person where they sit in the ground or not? I don't know. It wouldn't like the. Just yeah. to a certain extent, doesn't it? Because there's noisier parts of the ground yeah. and there's quite a part of the ground. And I remember talking to Gary Rowe years ago, and Gary, sort of, as well as playing for the club, was obviously a fan as well. And he said that it wrote a part that was kind of a ritual, almost like sort of when you were when you were a kid, yeah. you were in the paddocks because your dad took all the rock around, and then the, the Larry lads were in the full end. So you were a certain back. age, you went up yeah, the full end. So, so the cage at the back of the full end. It's got a bit of that at the stadium, like, hasn't it, with the uh, the, the south stand as, as well. Used well, to be the, the southwest it. corner, didn't south it? And then corner, they yeah. kind of moved that into the try to move them into the. Behind the, the north stand when it first opened was quite loud. It was a bit like the full end, but I think everybody's just aged. I think, to be honest, because I, I think I, I honestly think that's what it is. Because the north stand, 
when I go in and sit in my seat, it's the same people who've been there year in, year out, and it's a lot quieter now. They don't really chant. Maybe well, they, they used to. Maybe they're just sitting off after all I these th- years. I, think, I honestly think they've just grown up because it's the same people. <laughs> they probably came to the stadium when they were teenagers, and now they're all in their 30s, and they're, they're just a little bit more mellow. I mean, we, when we, I remember when we went to get our um, season tickets, pick our season tickets at Roger Park for the Stadium of Light, yeah. and you went into this room... And they had like a like a really crude yeah. like virtual reality yeah. computer screen thing. I'm like, this is gonna be your view from where you've picked your seat and all this. And we tried to pick somewhere that was the equivalent of where we stood because we used to stand in the roger end when we went. Um, my dad always stood in the roger end, so we went in the roger end. Um, obviously, when the away fans weren't given there mm-hmm. that area, um, and we tried to get the equivalent. Um, but it was like in the south. That was in the southwest corner, and like we were sitting next to some <laughs> right idiots. Like so, we moved, um, and then we were like moved around as we went got older. I think so. We went to the other corner, the southeast corner, and then we went in the east stand when when Keane uh, took over and we got promoted. We, me and my dad were like, if we go up, we'll we'll get ourselves some like proper like right in the halfway line because we like to go and watch. So. Well- one of the things I like though about it is that you, you, see, right, is you can move around and sit where you want to. Although I got a bit of stick last time I went because uh, I'd gone up to see the press lads before the game, and I got on talking. So I watched the first half with my daughter from the top of the west stand, and then I went to where my seats actually were, which were in the north east corner. But of course, I hadn't been sitting there for the first half, and I didn't know where to go, and didn't know where these tickets were. And I asked the stewards, and people were thinking, "Who the hell is this guy? He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't turned up for the first half. He's got here about sixty minutes. He hasn't a clue where he's going." So I got pelters on Twitter afterwards, and when people realised it was you actually me, shout, "Come on, you guys!" <laughs> when he sat down, <laughs> "Come on, you boys! Come on, chaps!" It's, the it's, it's awful. Like the, it's like that. The press seats are like the, it's like the worst. The worst, seat in the, the, the worst. Honestly, just... that's what's one of the reasons. That's one of the things I didn't miss about the job, and I think I had a fantastic. I was talking way down. He had a fantastic time at the Echo and covering it. I covered up a park in the same light, but those stadium lights pressed seats originally yeah, were designed for that reason to be the best seats in the house. And then you go to, and it's interesting the approach of some clubs. You go to some clubs. I've got to say, Newcastle's yeah, press seats are exactly great, there, mm-hmm. perfect. You know, Middlesbrough. I used to hate Middlesbrough's because here it's a bit strong way. But for a press man to be at the back of the, of the Middlesbrough stand, it's a, you're a long way away, and it's a, it's a real you know challenge if you try to report a match. But that's nothing compared to the outer spiral arm of the galaxy at the uh, Stadium of Light. Kelly uh, walking it, you're knackered by the end of it. But and I guess you, on a positive view, I guess you you do get like a a good overview the of the game, view. and you, you can do, see which is the, good from a tactical point yeah. of view. And I know people listening probably thinking, sort of, you know, throwing stuff at the radio. So it's not morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're you getting for free. You're getting for free. But for example, the people I feel really sorry for, and it's a challenge that you, you probably wouldn't normally think about. But the radio guys, because because yeah. if I'm if I'm reporting on a game and something happens, I've got the obviously you, you tweet in real time. You, you, you've got a sense of in real time but you have that luxury of that 5, 10, 15 seconds to watch the replay and go alright oh, oh, it was it was Kasri rather than whoever yeah. sort of stuff you know whereas they've got to call it um, yeah. as it happens on that spot in that moment and you're so far away it's virtually impossible for them sometimes I remember earlier this season I can't remember which game it was the referee was wearing like a kit like a white kit yeah and it was really bad like it was clashing with Sunderland's kit really badly because he had black 
sock, black socks and shorts. Mm -hmm. And so they, they made him change it at half time. It was ridiculous, and you you couldn't you couldn't pick out the players and stuff like that from. Also, the striped shirts as well can be a, a nightmare. And I, I was with that with Sunderland West Brom at the weekend, or, or with, with Sunderland players when you know who you you know, you know the players are, and you cover them week in and week out. You can even tell players if you can't quite see them by the way that they run. You get that yeah. kind of that that knowledge, that use to them. But the other players, if they're wearing a blue and white stripe and you can't see the back of them, there's no replays. It's a real nightmare yeah, for the voters. It was weird that they wore the, the blue and white stripes, I thought, the weekend. Cause they, it People was... always like to say that in the derbies, though, don't they? Yeah. The black and white and the red and white stripes, I yeah. think. Yeah. Maybe it's because they had their light shorts on so they mm. can get away with it. It's the first time, I think, you know... We've, we've mentioned we, West Brom. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, it's in the first time <laughs> we've mentioned the game. Yeah. Um, it was like the first half of the game, wasn't it? It well, was a lot of endeavour, but not a lot I mean, of quality. It doesn't make me feel any better, but I have been telling us for weeks that this is going to be nil-nil. To be yeah, fair, and, and, and but you I'm also like, said that we're going to beat. Leicester, I did, I did, so. and I, you know, I'm actually on the point predictor thing we did on into the light. I'm actually we're a point better off than I thought at this point because mm. I thought we'd lose at Southampton and we got a draw. I thought we'd draw Newcastle. I thought we'd draw West Brom, but I did have us down to beat Leicester. So no, that's, that's, that's not a bad shout. That that's not a bad shout. Different game altogether. You feel like now though that. It's we, we, we acknowledged earlier on saying, you know, to be fair to Sunderland in the games where they've turned up and you thought they absolutely have to win this game, they have done. The last few weeks it's been a little bit well we're playing better and we haven't quite got there. Next week suddenly becomes one of those games again now. West Brom, some people would argue, was which it kind of was, but I think the Norwich result made it look I think like you know what it reminded me of in it well I say it reminded us of it, I guess in terms of attacking intent there's there was no comparison but when Poyet was here, we played Crystal Palace at home, and they they looked just like they were the going to go final. down. And just after the cup final, they had a bit of a yeah. resurgence, and we drew nil nil. And I think people were thinking, "Oh well, that was a must-win game," and we didn't win it. And you know, I think that after the games, reading people's reaction, and I got the impression some people had kind of just decided, "Well, that's that." Then I just don't think you can. Have that mentality. I think it's probably natural to come out of a game feeling like that when the game went as it did because they, we were like huffing more, and we were puffing and but, we just couldn't do anything. There was more though. So it, it, it has that knock-on effect, doesn't it? There was it? more than huffing puffing that game, though. You know the the chances are created. You know the goalkeeper was outstanding. Sometimes you know, and, and some people. I think the only real criticism I'd have going forwards in terms of chances missed was the header that Defoe should have connected with and didn't in the first half. I mean the rest of it. Sometimes you just got to give credit to. I think there's, there is a mentality felt, where I, you where you think, well, he could have put it through his legs. He could have hit it the other side or whatever. He's got a split second when he makes that choice when he, how he's going to uh, try and place that shot to four at the end. Well, I was behind the it's goal. Too, it's and too you easy. Saw Foster's just to... foot there. I felt sick. I, I felt like <laughs> I felt honestly. I felt like as if it was as if it was a derby game and Newcastle scored. I had that feel in my stomach because you just kind of felt that was it, and it was so. People are saying how good of a save it was, and um, I think, you know, well, I've mentioned before the lad I sat next to my mate, a, a goalkeeper, and he's not having that. He says he didn't yeah. know anything about it, and he dove and it just hit his foot. Mm. I, I thought that Ben Foster had a decent game, but it, was, it wasn't one of those. I mean, I've seen, uh, I think, Brad Goosen a few years ago came up here when he was making his debut for Aston Villa, just about, and, and he was like, absolutely world class, amazing performance he had. Mark he, Bosnich was the one, but uh, people talk about Mark Bosnich. There's, yeah. there's a difference between those. That's the, it wasn't it wasn't that sort of performance. He made some decent saves. There were some saves that hit him, could have gone anywhere, sort of. But it was just for me. I actually I've got no criticism of Jermaine Defoe. I think if Sunderland stay up, it's, he'll he'll keep Sunderland up because he's just such a natural finisher. He reminds me of Kevin Phillips. As soon as he gets the ball, he's looking to, hit, to score, and he almost always hits the target. 
it's the other side of the other areas of the strike force which is letting them down, I think, and in particular someone who divides opinion probably more than anybody, which is Fabio Barini. You either love him or you, you don't. And um, I got back, I was sad enough to tip um, Sky Sports, the Jeff Stellan show thing, and uh, Charlie Nicholas was the pundit. And he made a very good point where he said that Barini's commitment is total, but his finishing is not. And I thought I'd about sums Barini up. He works so hard, he gets into such good positions, he, he, he busts to go every game, couldn't get more committed. But his his ratio of goals to, of, of goals to chances, actually hitting the target, forcing a save out the cable, is terrible. He gets all the use and ours from the fans. Oh, he just missed, but hasn't hit the target, hasn't worked the keeper. And I've been to several home games this season where... Had it landed at a four, you'd have fancied something to score, and he's he's missed good chances, Barini. So I don't know. I think Defoe's missed good chances as well, though. Mm-hmm. You know, as as well. Um, but you always fancy. I always fancy Defoe to score, and uh, I I don't get that feeling with Barini. No, you're probably right. I mean, I thought Barini was, you know, I thought he was really good actually, and at the weekend, and I, I mean, I, I haven't really got any criticism for any of the players. I know Catamore seemed to divide opinion, mm-hmm. but. There was a statistic going around today. I don't know if you saw that. That Lee Catamore created the most chances of the weekend. Really, Six. really. And yeah, I thought that was. I thought it was what was letting them down again. The really, I, well, there you go. More than Philip Coutinho, I think he's. Because I thought his tenacity, I thought his tenacity, his work rate, his his inspiration for his team, which was great. But I thought it was his final ball that was letting him down. That, which, to that, be fair, he's not expect. You know, that's on his game. I, I that, compare that, that when that's Catamore the plays. Team selection yeah. then. That, when that's the, that's where the real debate is here. Uh, the, the three centre midfielders. But then the statistics. Say that if he was uh, one of the main. If that statistic is right, then that tells you how much he was involved in the game. I know, yeah. I know he was some people's. I man. thought he had a decent game. Some people had a yeah, man of match. I thought, I thought Kirchhoff was probably someone's yeah. man of the match. I, I, but but, but, but Catmull was very heavily involved. But it's about maybe maybe Kirchhoff lasted the full game as well because he had Catmull in there to to work, do yeah. almost do his work for him too. Yeah, and he's he's coming to some good form, Catmull. But it's, going back to Barini a little bit, um, again it's about perceptions as well and. The guy who was effing and blinding behind me in the East Stand, it made me laugh. Um, he, if, if people are around in the East Stand and listen to this, they'll know who I mean because he didn't have a, um, he had a London accent. He didn't know, he wasn't, he was a proper, come on, Sandland, <laughs> Newcastle could play better than this. <laughs> it, it, so, that's the swear words taken out. But I was I was interested in his 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 take on the game mm. because he slagged off just about every Sunderland player <laughs> apart from Fabio Barini who he referred to as Fab throughout mm. and then in the end when Barini was missing some of these chances where you think oh, Barini man, hit the target he's got oh, Fab's towering Fab, Fab's towering so it's interesting how you kind of you, you've, mm. you view a game through the prism mm. of sometimes your own prejudices definitely I mean well we see that seen that early in the season with people like Van Arnold and obviously Endoy's not the flavour of the flavor month of the either month, but yeah. To be fair to him, I thought he was a bit unfortunate with the the uh, goal. He w- like, see, like it was just it was just like this could be why he's sitting the ground again because we were behind the goal and we were saying get on side, get on side, and right. he just he didn't seem to be. He did he did get he did get on and it, it, it the passage of play happened quite quickly where the ball's falling to him and he wasn't that far off. I mean I thought we live I was like oh he's before he moved off. though we were all shouting get on side. We didn't really celebrate because no, we, yeah. we saw I, I, the flag go straight. I just up. looked straight at the lines yeah. when I was just I knew it was off. So. I thought, you know, that's where that's where if you take, broaden it out to a general trend, that's where in these last four games someone need that bit of luck. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I know that that bit of luck you're calling for is for the linesman to make the wrong decision there, but the, that little bit of luck that just hasn't really been going. I mean, you, you look at the Norwich game and it's clear handball for the the winner. 
Yeah. Yeah. Last minute. And and you know, that's as if if that goal's allowed then if the linesman had allowed and Doy's goal it would have been as, as bad a decision as the handball, really. Um and so yeah, you, you mean and the and the draw would have been that's left what it things comes down it would have been as as the stand, it would have been like come, come, before kick yeah, off. It's what it come down to with Clattenburg made a, a disastrous error apparently with a send off at West Ham. A really a real howler of, of an error in sending somebody if he shouldn't have sent off oh, it was argued uh, at the time. And those decisions especially you know, when there's only one goal in the game, those decisions are so important. I I think what's interesting is we've always commented here on I remember when, you know, the season we nearly went down when O'Neill got sucked into Canio came. Mm-hmm. Um and Wigan towards the end of the season, obviously we stayed up at Wigan's expense. And as we were like sort of falling towards fifth or bottom, fourth or bottom, I was in a pub after a Sunderland game and Newcastle went to Wigan on the tee time kickoff. And the whole pub went off went up when Wigan scored and when Wigan won the game, which just if you think about it one way, it just defies logic because mm-hmm. this was a side we were going up against to stay up, and it just sums up the hatred. You can't and you. help it sometimes. <laughs> I know, but my point is this, and it sums up the hatred that they have for each other, and people were still celebrating, and it made no sense at all. Yeah. But you, you would, you know, you were doing it yourself, and you were yes, the you know, Newcastle have lost. However, as we were walking out to the concourse on Saturday, and people start to turn around, say, as they, uh, Stephen from Son FM uh, read out and said. Uh, you know, Norwich three, Newcastle two. You could hear a groan. I thought around the stadium. You could hear a collective groan. Well, it was and it certainly seemed, which is just that's never happened before. Certainly, with Newcastle conceding a last-minute winner, and that that was, I think, that says a lot about the situation we're in at the moment. Well, there was there was muted cheers around me. I, I, I wouldn't go with a groan. Of course, far certainly as where I was, was, I think. Where M- I was, muted cheers. It'll normally be a massive cheer, but it was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose. But to me, I wasn't. I actually wasn't that. Obviously, in an ideal scenario, a draw is the best result. But I actually wasn't too bothered with that result, uh, um, in the sense that I think I think we need to get Newcastle knocked out of it. Mm. You know, I think I th- at the moment it's, it's a three-way. Was it, certainly for the weekend, more of a three-way battle. We assume Aston Villa have gone, and you hope one or two might get dragged into it. It's not really happening, but. I, I, I think mentally for Norwich and Sunderland it makes it easier if it's a two-horse race. At the, at, you know, they're only looking out for one result other than their own. So I think that was a massive, massive blow to Newcastle. I wasn't sure about the appointment of Rafa Benitez in the first place. I think it's um excellent manager for a certain type of job. I don't think this is the job um, motivating a relegation battle side. So in in my mind, I thought, right, I looked at that table and I thought, to two points behind, the goal difference is rubbish and there hasn't been that bounce that they'd hoped for. They should have lost to Sunderland and they didn't, but you know, sort of, uh, they haven't had the results go their way. And two games, you'd think they'd have their eye on to get points as well. And they've they they been, they've been yeah. outplaying in both yeah. of them. I mean, we're disappointed with the West Brom result in some ways, you know, because you earmarked that one for three points. They'll have earmarked the yeah. Norwich and... Sunderland uh, games for, at least for four. four. The, well, they're, yeah, one. they're in a desperate situation now. Is, 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 are they six points behind... Six points behind Irish and a worse, and a worse goal, goal difference, difference. Mm. Uh, and I don't think they've got a game in hand either. So they're in a pretty disastrous situation. They go to Southampton. Half, but it's yeah, Man, got, it's Man, Man City. City. The game yeah, they go to Southampton um, and lose that game, and it's like, which they could easily do. You know, Southampton. I mean, the, the, the Norwich Norwich Palace game was massive. I mean, you, yeah. really, you're looking at that. Because we were wanting Palace to get need, dragged in. Now you, you think Palace you want to Palace win, to win really. now, don't you? You need to be realistic. Yes. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Forget, forget that. I, I forget. Uh, Palace getting dragged in, and I think the game's running out now. We someone yeah. need Norwich to lose. Simple as that. Someone play Norwich. If you win, it changes yeah. things around dramatically. You don't. You, you don't want to go in the last game, seven points off Norwich. No, we play on the Sunday. Thing. Exactly. Uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So that's, uh, I mean, you'd have two games in hand in, in, in some ways, but 
But in a way, I think I mean, yeah, you don't want that. But I just sort of feel as though the Leicester game will bring the best out of someone. I think they'll be. I think they'll be. They're at home. Big crowd behind them. The pressure will be off them in the sense that people are thinking, oh, the league leaders, and there's this massive love in with Leicester at the moment. The assumption will be that Leicester just cruised this game. I think it could be one of some of the best performances of the season. They've been building and building under Sam Allardyce the last half dozen games, getting better and better and better. And this could be. That could be the game for then that, yeah. that is the one shining light isn't it that apart from if we go back to that Man City game when all the new signings clicked and we lost the game and we, we should have won the game never mind never mind uh, even getting a draw from it mm-hmm. 80 minutes at Liverpool aside we've played well in every single game I think yeah. and that is a positive of course oh, but the frustrating thing is, is the, the, we aren't picking up the points because Worst Sunderland sides and this have gone have stayed up in the last yeah. couple of years by getting unexpected wins. Look at Norwich; they haven't been playing great, but they've got seven points in three games. The, cli- it's the cliche, it's isn't it? Isn't it? Or performance at this stage of the season don't matter; it's about results. Well, I, I agree with that in some ways, but in others, I'd, yeah. if we were losing and, and drawing games, playing badly, I'd have less hope going yeah. into the final seven games than I do at the moment. Because when you look at those three teams, Newcastle, Sunderland, and Norwich. You could probably bring in Palace and Swansea at the moment and say who's who looks the better team. You'd probably say Sunderland out the lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, Swansea don't look great. Um, and need them to do us a favour at Newcastle, but it's a case of you know they've got to, they've got to convert these draws into victories at some point. And I mean, I guess. The other argument is, well, we're going to play badly at some point and probably lose a game. But, they've, they've, but you've they've, got to make sure you don't do that against Norwich. They've got what, the, what they've done is, which is important, is they've gone a few weeks unbeaten now. And uh, man- managers I've talked to down through the years all say the same thing about the value of not getting beaten. If you can go on an unbeaten run, even if it is just picking up points, the confidence starts to build in a squad. Then they start. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm getting annoyed that they're not winning. When those players were coming off, some of them players were coming off, they were furious that they hadn't won. Now, that's a different mentality than six months yeah. ago. So they're almost expectation that they will win. So unbeaten runs are important. The other thing that managers will tell you as well is that performances do count. The core of Bobby Saxon, I remember, who explained it in his own way, I won't even try <laughs> doing the accent, but he said you can play well and, and lose and play well and lose and play well and lose and you can play rubbish and win and play rubbish and win and play rubbish and win. But the laws of football is if you keep playing well, you're going to win more games than you lose and if you keep, keep playing badly, then you're going to lose more games than, than you win. And so Sunderland are playing well. Yes, not getting the results at the moment that they wanted, but they're not getting beaten. They are picking up points. They're going on an unbeaten run. And that can build into a platform where you get these two or three unexpected wins. You, go, you might beat Leicester and beat Norris. There's no, 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 nothing, no reason why they can't on the basis of how well they've played the last few games. I think you, you look at it as well, and 
you know that first half it wasn't vintage stuff but there's something there that hasn't been there in previous years the battling you know the yeah they're not executing the you know football side of the game as well as they'd like to but in terms of you know turning up and and showing the desire and, and the will to try and make something happen in the game and battling for the shirt you, you can't like it's very difficult to criticize the group of players when they do that and I think at the moment the def it's definitely there yeah they'll have spells of games where things don't work out I mean we're we're in the bottom three in the league I mean we're not going to be a spectacular side so they're going to have to go through periods of games where they're not playing as well as they'd like but they've got to stay in it and we do that and then when and then we earn the right to compete in the second half and I thought you know some of the football we played in the second half was great I think under Sam the football in the final third that we play is really good you know that generally players are getting into the box you know I mean you see the first half even brilliant ball from Kazri to pick out Catamol and if he could if Catamol could have just finish, yeah. <laughs> he could have just stopped like had a better first touch you know he's got a chance to either square it to Barini or finish it himself and the space just closed up quickly but you know some of the runs from midfield and would anybody you know, play Kazri in the middle more central no I'd, I'd play him wide because he's wide, so effective I mean, disappointing to see him it's come off. Purpose and drive he's got, though. I think he'd be all right in the middle. Probably, I think he can play. I think he's played he was at a playing. 10 yeah, for, yeah, exactly. for Bordeaux. But you get the work rate going back, so you haven't got to worry about but that. If you're gonna, but if you're going to do that, then who do you play on the left? Or, you know, yeah. Do you bring Lentz back in? I mean, he's not in favour. No. And I think, I think this is important as well to bear in mind it's, it's because it's not just how well they've done and how they've improved this has been done against the backdrop of, of, of someone almost being a calamity club yeah. do you know what I mean the whole Adam Johnson thing has cast a shadow um, and not just a shadow of the club in terms of, 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 the, of the case itself but as Allardyce himself pointed out we've lost our best player he's a p person who would make a difference in those games so you've lost your best player it's easier for a team to drop the heads once they've lost it if, you know, teams that are struggling often look for, weaker characters look for an excuse there's an excuse oh we've lost Adam Johnson they had the whole Margaret Byrne um, sh you know shenanigans of the chief executive leaving and, and more p bad publicity and then I was surfing the, the net last week and uh, headline popped up Premier League player Banned for a year. And I thought, this has got to be Sunderland, of course. There's a bit. Of... So what I'm saying is, is that it hasn't been ideal. The whole backdrop, you, you could almost even forgive them, but you'd, you'd almost ex clubs struggling that much, you could almost see them on the slide. And Sunderland haven't slid. If anything, they've, they've improved and improved and improved, and they deserve credit for that. Cause... Yeah, I mean, and was, a lot can happen, was, can't it? Yeah. We, we did the predictive thing here on the other the other week with the Norwich, and I give Norwich more points at the end of the season than the Norwich fan did when he came on. I think he had them finished on about 33, which they're probably, what, they're on now? 31. Right, right. so they're only two points off that now. But that shows how quickly things can change in a couple mm -hmm. of weeks, yeah. doesn't it? I didn't even have them getting 30 points. I mean, they, look, I mean, they remind me I a bit of um, when Advocat came in and he made us functional but not spectacular and managed to get some results. You look at Norwich and they've got that about them. There's not really any anything clever about what they're doing. It's just uh, the... You know, fighting and and you know, you look at the handball goal in the last minute and that Embakani one, which the keepers dove past and it's gone into the middle of the goal. I mean, and then you look at the goal they scored at West Brom, which is laughable, where one of them's tried to shoot and fallen over the ball and managed to back heel it to an on-running player, <laughs> and you just think, you know, 
You know, well, saying the other day, you know, these shots of, you know, these attempts, one day they'll all go in and, in the, you know, things like we haven't had a penalty since the Newcastle game. We'll get a penalty in the last seven games. There's no doubt in my mind we'll get a penalty in the last seven games. We'll get some, we'll have a game where all our shots go in. It'll yeah, happen. I agree with you. Maybe Norwich are a poor team that have had a good run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's still plenty of games to go. There's nothing which I mean, I think I'm looking the Leicester game, I think Sunderland's just gotta go for it. Yeah. Um they obviously got you've got to have an iron defence, but you need to score goals. You're at home, go for it. Could be a great game. The Norwich game again could, could go either Even way. Even Leicester going and goal down would be interesting to see how they react because everybody's been sitting they've been grinding on these one nils, hasn't they? Yeah. And they've even had a couple of draws along the way and people seem to be interesting to see how they they've react. Stiffened up, they've stiffened goal. up a bit and this is a, there'll be a bit of a, a different type of pressure on them as well for, for this game. And if Sunderland have to start well and have the right attitude it could be you know that, that could be a, a result, good result for Sunderland and then the Norwich game could go the same way but I've got this horrible feeling that it's going to come down it might just come to the last game of the season well the last do you know that Norwich have got their last two is uh, Watford ours, and Everton yeah. so we've got Everton and Watford yeah. so it's like a little mini league isn't it yeah so I just sort of think you know I think well if, if it comes at the last day of the season that's you know I mean we lose our game in hand in Norwich um, on the 20th of April um, when we play Arsenal, because they were due to play Watford then, but they're in the uh, FA Cup semi-final, so we would have ended up, if Arsenal had beaten Watford, we would have ended up with two games in hand on Norwich, because yeah. we would have had to play Arsenal later as well. Um, so it's it's just a funny situation, so that game in hand goes. Um, I just think the next two weeks now, you, with, with them having Palace away and, and us having to play the day after, it's become a bit of a disadvantage because if, you know, say um, Norwich go to Palace and win and they're thinking, right, seven points ahead, Sunderland are playing the team who are top of the league, seven points clear tomorrow, they'll the be thinking, the, brilliant, we're up. The and then, and then we... you've got to go to Norwich and if you lo- lose that game on Sunday, you've got to try and go to Norwich just to bring it back to four mm. points. You know, it's Sunderland did have, Sunderland have late, done this really. under Poyet, remember that great escape yeah. under Poyet where you know it's like you looked at it and you thought that's impossible to get out of. Leicester was seven points away from safety yeah. this time last season. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying all is lost at all. I mean, it's still, it's technically still in our hands. We've got a game in hand, mm. and we've, we've got Norwich to play. So you take four points from those games at least. Yeah. And you and you level on points with a better goal difference than Norwich. So you'd, you'd far rather be Sunderland than Newcastle. And well, if I was, if well I, any, I mean that's a given <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, in, in any stage, I, I take your point. Yeah. But if if you look at the table now, if if I I'm a natural optimist, and even when I get disappointed, I start bouncing back fairly fairly sharpish until the all hope is lost. <laughs> but if I was Newcastle, I would be thinking all hope is lost yeah. now, pretty much. I was uh, all right. I'd be trying to have me protractor out, me geometry set, try to work out how the points would come from, and then never give up. But six points behind Norwich, you know, is a lot and a bad goal difference. Mm. But also, and also that you haven't got those encouraging signs. You know what I mean? You, you can't sort of say, well, at least we're playing well, playing better. So yes, it's, it's a bit tough for Sunderland at the moment, but it's far from all over, and no. especially because Sunderland play Norwich. Is there a worry though that, like, because this is the most relaxed? I agree with yourself what you're saying, and uh, you're saying you're a natural optimist. When it comes to Sunderland, I'm probably the opposite. Um, yet I'm more relaxed about this than I have been in recent years. I don't know whether that's just because I've, I'm used to seeing us in this situation before and getting out of it, or whether it's because we're playing well. 
Or well, whether maybe enjoy? even it's just because Newcastle are down there too and it softens the blow a little bit. Do I don't think, know, but do I feel know? really, really, I feel quite relaxed. Do you about fight, it. I don't know I if it's because I don't have it in my head that we'll be in the championship next year. I just for, don't. For me, it's, don't. it's an there's an enjoyment factor as well. I, I enjoy going. You know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it at the moment watching Sunderland play. I like I like the attitude and I like you know as it, we create chances. It's not like under other managers where we've created two or three opportunities yeah. in a, in a game. We're creating yeah. every game. Ten plus chances, or you know, dangerous opportunities around the box at least. Um, and if you do that, you're going to score goals, and eventually, and you'll win games. The problem they've had, obviously, is the defensive side of things, keeping the clean sheets. Now, I, I do think that after I've said, you know, you should give credit to where it's due, and yeah, they do deserve credit for keeping the clean sheet. But at the same time, I think I might be a little bit of a red herring in that one because I don't think. West Brom had any intention of no. scoring a goal, they even though they came from nil. But to be fair, I really like Rondon. I think he's the kind of player that Poyet should have been signing when he was looking for his forward rather than Jermaine Defoe. And in some ways, that's the kind of player he needed. And I think Rondon was a real handful. But I thought Coney in the first half was absolutely brilliant. He just so easy. The game so easy for him. Come out, no, the, the, the West Brom come out flying the first. Yeah, they did have five, ten five minutes, minutes to they, try. They do, they do that every that game because they come out yeah. with their attention. Try and get an early goal in the first ten minutes. If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. Whatever happens after that, we're just playing for nils. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of like how it how it yeah. goes for them. If you've got a one nil, great. If you've got a nil nil, never mind. Would you enjoy? You know, would you enjoy going to see that every I week? That was, I mean, playing against. I mean, it happens side, every year. As playing well. against a side in the bottom three and setting up for a nil nil is, is quite something, mind. Yeah. I mean, they got the forty points, didn't they, from that? Point they're safe. Loss, they're safe. They're they fine. didn't need forty points, though. But did like they? that's the thing, isn't it? Being yeah. like, would I would rather. Get relegated, than than watch that in the Premier League every week. If I was going away from home every game and I was paying, I guess the prices are coming down to thirty quid, but still thirty quid, and then you travel every every week or week in week out, you've got your season ticket, and then you're going away from home to watch your team, which has got a, a essentially thirty five million pounds worth of striking talent. If you take into account that they won't sell Berahino for thir- for twenty five million quid. You've got people like Darren Fletcher in the middle of the park, you know, like you've got some decent professionals, Chris Brunn, people like that, and you've got Ben Foster, England national goalkeeper. You've got these quality of players, and your team basically is set up not to win games, to go and. and the was, best you can hope for is a nil nil draw. Was away from there was home an element of that while in, in his early days here as well. Yeah, but he had, he had but to be pragmatic. Won't. Yeah. But the, he's, you know. You look at the progress he's made with the squad since January, um, and you look at someone like Pulis, who's been at West Brom for what nearly two years now. I think, and I think it's just horrible. I think they've, they've both got the knack of making, of creating solid sides. Even if you uh, put the entertainment side side of that away, they've both proven managers who've got what it takes to do well at the bottom. And when Sam was first appointed. Uh, my thoughts were someone would stay up. I start, yeah. I, stopped, I stopped worrying about relegation and started thinking about what the, how he was going to do, who we bring in for next season. Uh, and I remember pinning a tweet um, where someone lost to Man City on Boxing Day, and I was saying, you know, someone will stay up this season, and he'll all be hailing me a football genius for, <laughs> for predicting it at this point. But and I, and I think I was right, and I still believe I'm right. But it just hasn't really kind of gone someone's way in the sense that if. Sam would probably say we've played well enough in our last four games to have won those four well, we games should have at least and points. it hasn't happened and Norwich have played indifferently enough to not to have had one point from nine rather than seven points from nine but that's just the way the football's gone in terms exactly. of those yeah. results which makes it a little bit more 
concern them. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then, who's to say that Norwich just haven't had that lucky f- bit of? I mean, could have they could have early. gone too early. Yeah. Fulham did in in, in 2014, didn't they? They got back to back wins in April, which kind of consigned everybody thought Sunderland to the championship because we were saying, well, uh, we were bottom. We weren't even third bottom like we are now. We were bottom. Mm-hmm. And Fulham got back-to-back wins under McGat, and Norwich was one of the games. We went on Norwich and lost in April as well. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, and that was the day I think we all they thought Sunderland would must have won, They must have went about seven no, points. Didn't then. we make two substitutions in the first half? I think Corbett was yeah. binned after so, 25 minutes. I mean, but this is it. I mean, the next two weeks, you know, you look at it and you talk about psych- psychologically, if we can get within a point of Norwich... By the time we play Norwich, which is we so we need to beat Leicester and they need to lose. Even if they draw Palace, it's we're within two points of them if we beat Leicester, right? So you go into Norwich, you're two points behind, you know Sunderland win, you go above Norwich and you've got a better goal difference. And you're gonna have points of you're gonna be points ahead of them and a game in hand and a better goal difference. So if they lose and we draw Psycholo- as well, in, in psychologically, to them they're thinking we we were four points clear and we've messed it up now. And, and that, question, that's the that's the and that could be a psychological blow. And then you going away to Norwich and winning that game or winning a couple of games back to back, all of a sudden, the picture looks brighter. So it's all ifs and buts, and there's so the, many permutations. The, 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 question, the question has to be how good a team in Norwich. You know what I mean? Sort of like yeah. is 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 this seven points from nine a reflection of how good Norwich are, or are they just not very good but have had things go for them? You know, and I, I would look at the Sunderland those four games and say Sunderland have played really well in four games, haven't got the result, but. They look a good team. You enjoy watching them. You, they're a, they're a good team. Would you, would you swap a Norwich, would you swap a Norwich player for a Sunderland player in the team? I, like, cer- I certainly wouldn't swap Norwich as a team for a Sunderland team. I think Sunderland are a better team, and then we've got more got more about them. I'm um, trying to think from the Norwich lineup. I was thinking, who would I who would I put in to my team? From maybe Robbie Nays, Brady, Nay Smith, probably. Nays yeah, Smith's a good player. Buzzes okay. around, doesn't yeah. he? You look at the, the fullbacks, possibly. Do you think? Uh, I mean, there was got Andre Wisdom. I think Russell Martin's mm, played there. Yeah. That, that new centre half of sign closer looks looks like a good. Yeah, he does look a good player. But, but yeah. the point the point is you don't you don't look at you don't look at sometimes you look at teams and think oh, they're in a false position. For example, like Chelsea, who've had a nightmare season. But, but at the end of the season, when people look back historically, people say, oh, Chelsea had a bit of a poor season. They finished eighth or they finished seventh. But for most yeah. of the season, they were right near the bottom. But you felt as though they're in a false position, and it's usually Everton they're in that position mm. or Tottenham. You think oh, they'll, they'll rally and they'll get up. Now where is Sunderland and Norwich's natural position pretty much probably where they are now at this moment in time on the basis of how mm. they've played but these last half a dozen games are going to be fascinating because you're going to find out between Sunderland and Norwich which is where, mm. where the natural place is going to be it could go either way we've barely talked about the West Brom game have we? is there it's anyone pro- who impressed you I mean it's funny for full backs again funnily enough I I'd mean, ra- I'd rather, I'd I rather not I read yeah. any little positive yeah. just no, I, I think it was, I, I thought Jerry Evans uh, played well. I thought I, mean, I, I know it's not about uh, it's not about Ben Foster got all the uh, credit. But I thought Johnny Evans had a yeah, good game. Good. I like he a bit of Johnny good. Evans. He's played well. I thought um, I thought actually thought he had another decent game down that right hand side there and created some good opportunities. You know, Kazri again, dangerous, dangerous player. You know, the, I mean, there was a lot. Like, Kershaw, Kershaw played well. I mean, one thing I well, think Kershaw's a joy. He's a joy, isn't yeah. he, to watch? He's, he's, he's class, gone off just he's class act. He, he strolls through it. He's a Rolls Royce of a footballer, isn't he? The one thing I would like to... I, I think every opposition now knows that Defoe is the danger man. And you see him shackled continually. You see a guy up his backside continually and he has to try and wriggle free and get a shot in. And he's great at doing that. He's great at using his body and his strength. But I just think they've got to try and feed the ball to Defoe in places where he's got more freedom to have a shot on goal. And in order to get that, you need either better passing to him um, or you need other players to work off him and take 
take you know defenders away from him because at the moment he's not get. You need to give him three or four or five chances a game. He'll score you goals. I think the thing about Defoe in terms of his movement when he's playing up front in his own, which he could improve on. Like I'm no expert, like, but I'd like to see him run the channels a bit more when he's playing up front in his own because he, he does only want to play within like the width of the penalty area and when when we was. It makes the out ball difficult. You'd so worry about him wearing himself out, though, wouldn't you? You, you do, but like, the thing is, now, but the thing is, if you if you've got, but then you've got an out ball, you, you knock it up to him. I mean, he actually his, his hold up plays come on a lot. I think this you just, season. You just have this, but like it's, it's he's not going to hold it every happens, time through the middle. Because when Phillips started doing it, and it, you just we suffered for a bit. I thought, yeah. And it's easy to see her run the challenge, and it is a good, you know, it, it is a typical thing you do if you're a lone striker and stuff. But with Defoe, you just think. Well, maybe much if, point I'm just saying, you just have him in the box. Just comes all, sometimes he just, maybe on occasion, all he needs to do is just come wide and give give the centre half an outlet, so he doesn't. And then maybe at least when a throw in higher up, instead of like giving the ball away in the middle of the park again, and then we're on the back foot. So yeah, that could be an option. But I look at someone needs to score goals, win games to stay up, and they need to win more games now than they're going to lose. Um, so they need to score goals. And I look at it and I think, right, yeah, take your point, Gareth, about. Could, I wouldn't drop him by the way. I'm no, not saying I'm not advocating that. Right, he could run the channels more, or, or, or he could do this, or he could do that. But the point is, is that if he creates his chances, suppose, suppose he, he pulls wide and lays the ball off for someone to score. I'm looking at some of the team, I'm thinking, I'm thinking who's going to score goals for you here? Because Kirchhoff and Catamore are not your no. goal scorers. And you start going through the team, and, and, I, and that, that bugbear with Barini, and it sounds like I'm down on against Barini. I'm not. I appreciate what he's got going for him. He's got, he's got, he's got so many good things going for him. But it's that finishing that lets him down. Um, so after Barini, who else are you looking at? Mm. There's not that many. You Van know, Arnold. Yeah, that says a lot, doesn't it? Van Arnold scores this this season. You know, you're looking at a fullback. You know, you're not going to go scoring midfielders or supporting strikers particularly. I know. I guess if Rodwell plays, then you'd be looking at him. But if yeah, he plays with Cat, I mean, MV is not really a goal scorer, is he? And you got three defensive midfielders in there. You, you do rely on your your yeah. forward players. But I mean, I really like Kazi. He's been very good. I mean, I would I would have hoped he, he might have got more than one goal mm. since he joined. Um, but then. You know he's contributed. You know if he if, if Defoe heads in that cross, yeah. that fantastic yeah. cross he puts in, then everyone's going another brilliant ball from Kadri, and yeah. that's why you've brought him in, and that's what Defoe does. But and don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking, I'm not, I'm not knocking the, the players yeah. who are not scoring the goals. What I'm saying is you've got to try and find a way of winning games, and your best chance of winning games by a million miles is getting yeah. Defoe facing goal with the ball at his feet. So the players who can't score have got to work hard and create those chances for him. Absolutely, and I'm happy with that. If you are. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back. Well, Thursday. Shall we plug the, the live podcast? Yeah, what we're doing here. You, you like the old and, uh, plug. Well, we have to because then otherwise people won't buy tickets. And no, then yeah, we'll, there'll be like do. hardly anyone do. there. No, actually, about half of them have gone now. So you're going to shift on. If you go to the Love Supreme website or go on wisemensay.co.uk, you'll find the top of the website the link to go and buy tickets for the Wise Men Say live show. It's on Monday the 9th of May. So we'll, we could be. Nervous, <laughs> given that there'll be two games to go, oh, we could all be down. We could be planning could, next season. Yeah, we could be. Uh, we could have a very good drink together to um, to see in the the relegation. Um, let's hope not. So the tickets are about fiver. Uh, guests uh, Michael Proctor from Into the Light, um, Julio Arga, and uh, Nick Barnes from BBC Rio in Newcastle. Um, so yeah, it was the last one we did at Portugal was brilliant. Actually, great venue, um, yeah, and really uh, it, was, venue. it was it uh, was excellent. So. For a fiver, you should come down and uh, check it out, and then we're going to try and use that money to go off to do one in London and to start a next season. And the date for that will be confirmed 
depending on whether we're in the Premier yeah. League or not next season. So. Is it going to be Arsenal? Or is it? it has just yeah. such a knock-on effect, doesn't it, this, yeah. this whole relegation thing? It does, yeah. It? That's the most important play. thing. When are we going to do... Yeah. When are we no, going we, to we've been saying, yeah, we've been saying for a while, we want to do things, something for the London Sunderland fans anyway. Yeah, be good. Right, OK. We'll be back on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.